Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's do this. Woo! Ring the bell. This is Between the Ropes. Oh, you're going for the dirt, for the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's time to get Between the Ropes. Between the Ropes. Hey everybody, it's Brian Fritz from Between the Ropes. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Two guests on the podcast today. Coming up later, Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com as we talk a lot about Battleground, which is coming up this Sunday. Plus, we talk a little bit about SummerSlam, which is just a month away. Also, we get into uh, some different news and rumors. We talk about the debut of the NXT women from Raw on Monday and uh, a whole lot more coming up in the conversation with Mike. But first, before we get to Mike, my conversation with Gabby, the latest person from Tough Enough that was eliminated. She was voted off the show uh, this past week. So here is my conversation with Gabby from Tough Enough. Hey, Gabby, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Not too bad. So, um... We all saw the elimination from the show last night. What was your overall experience on the show? What do you take away from being a part of Tough Enough? You know, I have to tell you that is the best uh, experience I ever had so far. And what I can take from there is to never give up. And you guys are going to see me around. Uh, I can't. I can't wait to come back. You had said at the uh, end, after you were eliminated, that you weren't upset that you were leaving the show. What was the biggest reason why uh, you felt that way? Well, I said that in the heat of the moment. And, you know, obviously I slept through the night. And this morning, um, obviously I do regret, you know, not any moment I don't want to bash or trash uh, tough enough. Once again, it was a hell of an experience. And I'm very set to leave you know, it's the end of a t- tough enough to me, but the beginning of the new journey, which is to become a WWE diva. Well, how bad were things getting um, in the house for you and, and some of the other women, especially with Amanda? Because there's only so much that we see on the weekly television show. And obviously, um, things are getting heated, but how bad were things getting behind the scenes? Were they even worse than that? Uh, I would say it was really bad. You know, hostility. Um, I was pretty much spending a lot of time in my room. Like, you know, it's really hard living with people that you don't appreciate, you know what I mean? Um, So uh, it was bad. It was... It was, I, I, I can't even explain, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a reality show, um, but at the same time, there's always going to be some certain things that you might not expect or be ready for. I mean, did you, ex- I mean, I think you probably expected uh, things to get, you know, there to be disagreements, but did you ever think it would get this bad? I don't even think it got that bad yet, to be honest with you. I mean, it's a reality TV show. We get to do with people that you never dealt before. Everybody has different personalities and opinions. Um, but that's pretty much it. Was it just a personality conflict, or was it something more when it came to just the heat of the competition? You think where things turned out the way that they did between you and Amanda and maybe even some of the other women there? Well, um, like I said, I do have a strong personality, and I do speak my mind. If something is bothering me, I'll go for it. But it's not only about personality. It's about other things, obviously, uh, uh, manners. You know, people call, I said I wasn't classy at all, and and that's one of the things that bothered me about Amanda the most, that she, she was this pretty Barbie doll, very good-looking girl that did not clean after herself. So that inside, behind the scenes, that was like one of the biggest things that I had with her. 
Do you regret taking some of the arguments from the House when it came to uh, some of the comments that you said and, and putting them on social media? Because that, that really seemed to irritate some of the women there. Absolutely. You know, I I do regret about social media, um, posts and tweets, whatever you guys call it. Uh, and I do think if I had to say that, I should have said, uh, you know, to her face, not through social media. But sh- she got me. Uh, in a moment that was very vulnerable, it never came out on TV, but my mother's extremely sick in a hospital, and that's when everything started, you know. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you had not been eliminated, do you think you would have quit the show, or how close had you come to possibly just packing your bags and saying, this isn't for me right now, and, and I'm going to get out of here? First of all, I'm not a quitter. Like you said, uh, that thing came out, whatever I said last night came out, like the spur of the moment, you know. Some people cry, and I just open my mouth, and I don't think before I speak. I'm not a quitter. And, and I'm going to prove to you that I'm not a quitter because I'm coming back. Well, what's the next step for you when it comes to this journey you talk about coming back? So what what do you uh, have planned next that you'd like to do? Uh, get some immediate, uh, immediately uh in-ring training so I can uh, apply for a tryout and um, next Diva Search. There's so many ways to come back. You know, I'm keeping in touch with WWE. And as I said in my last email this morning to them, I'm going to be emailing you guys until you guys bring me back because I have what it takes. You got a little bit of experience in the ring and uh, doing some things. How did you like that? I love it, and that's why I was I was there for You know, I'm here I mean, I was uh, tough enough to learn how to wrestle, and I'm going to proceed doing the same thing. So you also obviously have some background when it comes to uh, being a professional fitness model, and you've done jiu-jitsu for a long time. When did you actually pick up jiu-jitsu? I did jiu-jitsu for one year, so I can't even say that I'm like an expert about it. Right. Uh, I can't talk about profession- professional fitness modeling uh, that was my first step to get in in WWE. So I decided to do that just to get my body in shape. I never even thought I was going to become a professional fitness model. And I actually became one in my first show. I was awarded with a pro card. That's what they call it. And since we did that, I say we because my husband and I were a team. Uh, we started like, uh, researching about WWE, how to get in, and then Tough Enough came around. And I believe we applied in January or something like that, and it happened. You know, I'm very happy um, for the experience. It gave me a lot of, you know, a lot of people are going to notice me, and I know I'm going to come back. Did your husband also uh, apply for Tough Enough? No, absolutely not. He helped me <laughs> find everything else. He's not, he's, not, uh, he's not like that. But, you know, like I said, we're a team, and we help each other, and he certainly helped me find uh, the right directions to get in with WWE. When it comes to, you know, the different experiences that you had as well, what was it like, um, let me bring up two in particular, what was it like being out there on, on Raw on Monday night in Atlanta with, uh, there's so many different fans that are right there and you're getting introduced to everybody in that, that live atmosphere. What was it like being out there? Well, like uh, I said, um, there's no words to explain that. It, it's just amazing. But, you know, physically, what I can tell you is, like, you know, I believe in, like, uh, energy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like energy came coming through my feet, through my toes, and going all the way to my heart, you know. And, you know, I got goosebumps, and my hair, like, felt like it was, you know, I, I can't explain. It, just, it was amazing. I don't think I have ever experienced that much of audience in my life. Um, and I can't wait to do that again. Well, I mean, it's funny being in front of that live audience. We talk about you, you know, having a little bit of a background when it comes to a professional fitness model. And I know you're the WBFF Diva Bikini Pro. What's the difference when it comes to that atmosphere in front of a live audience from what you experience from one to the other? Well, I have to tell you (laughs) that in fitness competitions, what you get like 200, 300 people. (laughs) Yeah. You can't even compare, but when I said, you know, having the fitness uh, industry as a bikini, uh, it was more to, you know, be out there in a bikini and people staring at you, but we will, ne- we will never, ever get this much of an audience for a bikini competition or bodybuilding and that kind of stuff. 
so compare being in Atlanta to the previous Friday night when you went to an NXT house show in Orlando at the Armory in front of, and I know you sat there and you watched the show and because the whole Tough Enough cast was there, but you're in this building, you're watching this show, hardcore fans, about 300, and there's there's no air conditioning and everybody is there to watch the stars of NXT and, and watch wrestling. What was it like being there for that? First of all, it was my second show. You okay. know, I was the first person, you know, to go out there because honestly, if I'm going to do this, you know, I have to learn. I have to see one-on-one, basically absorb how the uh, athletes perform and that kind of stuff. You know, and who cares about the air conditioning? We're in Florida, you know, it's extremely hot. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and just the intensity, uh, how they connect with, with the public, you know, it was seeing them performing. It was very inspiring. And we're going to go again. We're going on Friday or Saturday to watch NXT. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because there can be there can be such a difference when it comes to an environment that everybody thinks everything is on this grand stage. And for the most part, it is with WWE, but also when you get into NXT, which has um, become very successful on its own, you get a bit of a different look sometimes when you're at these smaller shows and the venues that they run where there's there is a great fan base, but it's just it's just different. It's just on a smaller scale, and to see some of the things that those guys do, and you know, I was curious if you had you know if you had expected anything like that because it was still a WWE production. Um, the fans are fans, you know. It, it's the same thing, bigger or large, you know. The intensity and it, it's the same. It's just in a smaller crowd, and like I said before, it's amazing. Seeing a close-up, you know, see how they interact with the crowd. It's awesome, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go again this weekend, and now, I'm going to keep going as much as I can. When you went to the NXT show and also when you went to Raw, did you get to talk with any of the other divas? Yeah, we got to talk with a lot of superstars and divas, you know, and they're all inspiring. Everybody was like, you know, one day you guys are going to be out there performing just like like us. And it's like, absolutely, we are going to do that. You know, if we have the passion, you know, we're all going to be there one day. Yeah. I was going to say, was there anyone in particular that you got an opportunity to speak with that it really kind of, the message maybe hit a little bit more? I'm so sorry. My, my, my phone here is ringing. I can't hear you. Okay. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, can you repeat the question, sure. please? It, was there any one superstar or diva that you spoke with that maybe you uh, took their message a little bit more to heart with? Absolutely, Paige. You know, Paige, and I, I, I love Paige since the beginning. Uh, I know a lot about Paige's history, and she came from nothing. All she had was her wrestling background and her courage to move from a different country to come here to America and perform, leave her parents, her family behind, you know what I mean? So I relate a lot to Paige because I think she's a big deal. So in your journey and wanting to get back to the WWE, how much are you going to really study promos now? Because that's that's the thing I think a lot of people take away from it is when we did the promo at the improv on the show, People were talking about the way you did it, which wasn't what they were expecting or looking for. So is that something that you specifically now go out of your way saying, I got to work on this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it takes time to learn, you know, certain things come natural. Like, you know, physical part of it, I am great. I don't care if people say, I know I'm a, like I'm fantastic when it comes to in-ring stuff. You know, when the promo saying, obviously I have to work on it. Uh, it takes time to learn. But, you know, I am... It was so funny because they caught me off guard both times. You know, like the one we did uh, uh, with King Barracks, it was so good. You know, I'm very upset I actually didn't play because <laughs> I was like, well, I even threw the microphone and people were like, damn, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think I can pick up things very easily. And I can't wait to bring a better package, though. I just, I can't wait. I'm counting the minutes right now. Well, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. So, I mean, if it's if it's a passion, if it's a dream, keep at it, and uh, we'll see exactly what's uh, what's next for you when it comes to WWE and in the sport. And uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Before we get to Mike Johnson, a quick plug for Patreon. If you're supporting us on Patreon, we 
Greatly appreciate it. If you're not yet, please do go to patreon.com backslash between the ropes, or you can go to between the ropes.com and we've got the link on the top right hand side. Even for as little as a dollar a month, it goes a long way in supporting us. If you can do more than that, that is spectacular. And we have different tiers set up for things that you will get uh, depending on the amount that you pledge per month. I know that not everybody can pledge, not everybody can do it. And if you can't, We totally understand, and you can support us by subscribing to us uh, when it comes to our podcast. We're on YouTube, so there's a lot of different ways to support Between the Ropes. But if you can do it on Patreon, that would be great. It allows us to keep doing what we're doing and help pay the bills and allow us to keep punching out the content that we do. So if you like what we do and if you can support us on Patreon, that would be great, and we greatly appreciate it. Just go to patreon.com backslash Between the Ropes. He's Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com. By the way, if you're not an elite member over at uh, PW Insider, what are you waiting for? Sign up over at PWInsiderElite.com. Mike, uh, how's everything up in the uh, Northeast? Uh, it's good. It's nice and hot and muggy up here. We're waiting for a big rainstorm as we record this. So, But it's nice. You know, it, it's, it's New York. I can't complain. We already got a rainstorm for the day down here. Well, you're in Florida. It's like, you know, like 10 months of the year is like hurricane season. So. Everybody <laughs> says that, but, you know, the last time I actually had a hurricane, I mean, what was it, 10 years ago we had two hurricanes come through Orlando, and those are the first two that really hit? I remember being uh, at the Disney Resort once, and, like, a hurricane was going to hit the next day. So, like, they shut down the parks, and they told them, like, they, they had, like, special, like, Disney programming on all the uh, the TVs, like, all these, like, Disney movies. And then, like, the next morning you woke up, and it was like, oh, it didn't hit. Okay. And they opened up the parks at, like, noon. Yeah. That's <laughs> the way it goes down here. So, since, since we're not talking wrestling yet, let me bring this up, okay? What was it that came out of Comic-Con that uh, got you the most excited? You know what? Out of everything, I, 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 there were a couple of things. One was the, uh, the Stars series, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah. Because I'm a big Bruce Campbell fan. I love those movies growing up. A huge horror movie fan. And, you know, I like the fact that, you know, it's a sequel. They're not pretending it's the same time. He's older. He's still the same nimcompoop he always was. And we're going to see a lot of uh, silly, brutal physical comedy and gore, which is what those movies are really based on. Um, I personally stayed away from all the Star Wars stuff. Uh, I, I want to try and go in to see Episode Seven as blind and as deaf as i can <laughs> good luck not know anything um and know it's going to be harder but i'm going to do my best but you know a, a big piece of my heart really uh so when thump 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 knowing that like harrison ford carrie fisher and mark hamill were all on stage together promoting it and doing the thing and i was like man that would have been cool to see live but, you know as someone who was three years old when he saw star wars and grew up in that first star wars generation with all the toys and still loves all those movies with all his heart so, you know, a lot of stuff. Um, you know, uh, the Superman-Batman trailer looked a lot better than I expected it to. I really didn't have any great um, any great sort of belief that the film was going to be all that wonderful after seeing the Man of Steel film. Right. Um, it looked a lot better than I thought. The Suicide Squad footage looked very interesting. Um, you know, it just, it's an interesting time if, you're, if you grew up a comic book fan in the 70s and 80s like I did, because now every time you turn around, there's another movie. Or there's another TV show, and it's almost to the point of oversaturation, but at the same time, it's still very, very cool. Yeah, I thought Suicide Squad looked really good. I still have some apprehensions about the uh, Batman v Superman movie. The um, the uh, trailer for the next season of Walking Dead was really good. You know what? Yeah, well, the new season of Walking Dead, uh, I'm especially interested in. Obviously, the show is always has very good writing, but Lenny James, who's a phenomenal actor, who's now on the series as Morgan... Um, who, if you ever saw the show Jericho, he played Hawkins. Just phenomenal actor and so intense and so good at everything he does. Um, everything I've seen him do, he was in like a remake of The Prisoner that was on cable a couple of years ago. He was a recurring guest star in the Human Target series on Fox. He's done a bunch of movies. He's just great. And I know him playing off of the characters on that series and the actors on that series, he's going to really bring up the quality of the acting even more and I'm sure the level of drama. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also, you know, talking about Walking Dead, the Fear the Walking Dead series that's going to take place in Los Angeles and show the whole deterioration of the world as the zombie apocalypse hits. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that because that's uncharted territory for the Walking Dead mythos. And uh, 
Very curious. It, it should be fun. It's a fun time to be a genre fan. Yeah, and that comes out in August before the next season of Walking Dead. It's there's so much quality stuff that's out there. Like if you're a comic book fan or you're a TV fan, um, there's there's just so much. It's it's really hard to keep up with everything now, isn't it? Yeah, there's almost. You know what? It's almost like independent wrestling. There's so much yeah. that it's impossible for one person to completely consume everything without being overwhelmed and i mean that's a good thing because that means there's a lot of different things for different people but there's no way you can watch all of it i am at the point now where uh i know eventually i'll see everything and i really pick and choose what i want to see uh for me so far the highlight of the summer i thought jurassic park was the perfect popcorn movie it was fun it was thrilling it was funny and you know to me that hit on all the notes that i want a great movie to hit on that to me was my favorite movie I've seen since the first Avengers film. Um, so I'm very excited. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, and I want to see Ant Man. Obviously, I want to see uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, I'm a little cautious going in, but I want to see it. I like seeing the comic movies in the in a movie theater because you want larger than life when you're watching something like that. But that's just me. Yeah, well, I'm with you there. So now, when it comes to stuff to watch. I know you're going to be watching Battleground, or as Daniel Bryan likes to call it, Battlefield, on Sunday. Battlefield, yeah. He's going to get ripped about that for a while. <laughs> a yeah, I'll be, yeah, obviously I'll be covering it on uh, PW Insider. So uh, I'm curious to see how they get out of Brock and uh, Seth Rollins. You know, uh, there's, uh, you know, I don't see Brock getting the belt back, but I could be wrong. And Seth Rollins, his entire army has kind of fallen asunder. <laughs> and uh, maybe they're going to use this to introduce a new bodyguard or a new... Uh, a new character that's going to help Seth out. Maybe they're going to bring someone else up from uh, from developmental. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about because, you know, I think we're all on the same page. Like, do I really want to see a DQ or a countout? And I definitely don't want to see a ref bump. How, how do they do this? And plus, they've taken Kane out of the picture because you would think that he's a guy that can get involved. But now they've said, you know, he's injured in storyline, so you would think he's not going to be there. So it, it really raises a lot of questions as to how – they do this now, and you know, are they actually going to pin Brock Lesnar? Because I think they are. It's just, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. It's just the execution into it and how they do it, and can they pull that off? Which I think is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's a couple of things they can do with that. They can uh, have Seth Rollins sort of be Ric Flair at the end of the '80s, where a Sting or Alex Luger finally corners him and. Although Flair was, you know, always the champion that we used the dirty tricks and stuff, at some point he also had to fight back and capitalize. So this could be Seth Rollins' chance to be that guy as opposed to the guy that at the first sign of danger he's hopping the rail and running in through the crowd. Or, you know, they could put the belt on Brock. I, I personally don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think it's too soon for that. And uh, Or they can come up with some sort of shenanigans in order to have Brock defeated um, I don't think they'll do a screw job, but you never know. Maybe they're going to do a screw job to come back with like something wacky, like Hell in the Cell at uh, SummerSlam or something. That's never without, you know, that's always within the the the, the, the potential uh, of the storylines. But I don't think that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, I I kind of feel like they're going to do some sort of screwy finish, and as long as they do it in a way that doesn't sort of hurt Brock's aura, which I think it would be at this point, it would be really hard to hurt Brock. Like when Goldberg lost, that aura went poof, it was gone. I don't think that would happen to Brock Lesnar because Brock is so much more multifaceted and so much more versatile and so much more fearsome than Goldberg was in that time period at WCW. But you never know. Bad booking could kill anything. But I'm curious. It's, it's interesting to see where they're going to go because you would think, based on the way they booked it, um, Seth Rollins is kind of like the honky-tonk man in the 80s where he, he's been chased down into the corner and now he's got no chance and there's nobody to help him, and obviously Brock's going to kick his ass and take the belt, but you never know. Do you like babyface Brock Lesnar? He's the same Brock. He, How do you not enjoy the sight of Brock Lesnar holding two fire axes oh. with that demented smile on his face? That, only, like, yeah. that looked like the cover of a 1980s VHS horror movie. You would see it like your local rental store. The only thing that, yeah, The only thing that was different was the whole kiss and make up with the announcing team, I guess. Yeah, that was kind of silly, but that was like, all right, we have Brock has to apologize, and and Brock sort of did it in that that silly way where he kind of gave Michael Cole noogies and all that yeah. silliness, um, you know. So they, it was it was Brock basically saying, yeah, I'm playing ball, but only because I want to, not because I have to, and get that, and, may, and he kind of made sure let's keep that uh, 
let's keep that message sort of straight that you know I don't need this, but I'm going to deal. I'm going to play ball because I want my belt back. And I'm curious to see you know whatever they do at Battleground, like you said, what do they do at SummerSlam? Because I think the most logical thing would be a rematch between the two. But I don't, I don't know if that's the direction that they're going to go. I mean, uh, they easily could. I but honestly well, haven't heard. Any, I haven't heard anything about SummerSlam except. Uh, you know, they'd like to do something with Stephen Amell. Right. Uh, if he's available, maybe some sort of tag match that, that with Amell. That's really all I've heard. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, they're waiting to see uh, what their plans are. I know that they have some tentative stuff locked in for, for WrestleMania. I don't know what it is, but I was told, like, they know the basic pencil sketches of where they're trying to go. Um, you know, and to me, my guess is still it's going to be Roman Reigns challenging for the belt at, the, at WrestleMania. But beyond that, I don't, I don't, I don't know where they're going with SummerSlam yet. I haven't heard anything, anything concrete, except for the idea of doing uh, a six, a six woman diva tag. Um, and I had reported that a couple of weeks ago, and that was going to be where Sasha and Charlotte and all them started to come into play. But then they pushed that up a couple of weeks because of uh, the U.S. women's soccer team winning the championship. So they wanted to, they wanted to play off of that. So they they moved the, they moved those angles up. Yeah, I'll get to the women here in a minute, but I know this is way far out. Who has over. a better chance? What do you think? Which match is more likely at WrestleMania next year? Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns again, or Brock Lesnar against Kevin Owens? You know what? Everyone's kind of buzzing about that Owens Lesnar thing. I don't know that that's within the periphery of what Vince is thinking. Because while everyone's kind of buzzing over the idea of Undertaker versus Sting, mm-hmm. I don't hear anything about it on the inside of WWE. Initially, you know, when Sting came in, that whole idea was he was going to get to Undertaker. But then once I think certain people saw him in the ring against Hunter, that, that, that idea sort of dissipated. Right. Um, I don't know. I, 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 would, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if it's Seth against Roman in the main event with the idea that Roman's going to finally get his hands on the title. I agree, and I, I almost wonder if it. I don't know if they would do this at WrestleMania next year. Maybe they do it before then, but I've I've wondered when they're going to do the triple threat between the Shield. You know what? I would save that as long as they can, because that's a great that that is like a nice gimme on a buy rate, or in terms of like getting attention for an audience. I don't rush into that. In fact, you know they did the one match, the the, the match where all three were involved and. And they, 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 they kind of teased the, the Shield reunion for a second, and everyone went nuts. And I'm like, all right, now that they teased that, they should all stay away from each other as far as possible and don't go anywhere near that sort of triangle match for a long time. Like, make people wait for it, because the longer people have to wait for it, the more interested they'll be in seeing it. Now, I wonder if that would be, in their eyes, something they could actually do at Mania if the belt was on the line or not. I think... That was, you know what? That would be a nice little WrestleMania attraction. And Dean Ambrose, you know, talk about like the little engine that could. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who, any time they even come close to pushing him as a star, the audience just comes to life and reacts as like a major, like it's a major deal. Even when he's in roles where like he's kind of secondary to Roman, the crowd just loves him because there's something legitimate and organic and gritty about him that, you know, kind of reminds people of Steve Austin and, and, and guys like that just because, you know, he's just a tough guy who just wants to fight. And, and there's always going to be a segment of the audience that's very loud and boisterous that wants to get behind that sort of character. Where do you think Roman fits right now? Because I, I think he's kind of, uh, to me, he's kind of in the on-deck circle. He's kind of in no-man's land where he's just kind of waiting there and they're just waiting to get to a certain point to, like, pull the next trigger on him, but you've got to get to that point. And until then, it's almost like he's doing busy work. Um, I think the Bray Wyatt thing hasn't really clicked correctly. Um, but up until the Bray stuff, I thought they were doing a nice job of teasing the idea that here's Roman Reigns, here's this guy who is a tough guy, he got screwed over, he's taking a beating, and he's going he's gonna to give it back, and, he, and, and he, he's, not, he's not some puss which I think is how the audience looked at him, like, oh, this guy, you know, they, they handpicked him, he doesn't deserve it. And I think they've, they've been showing the audience literally since the day he wrestled Daniel Bryan uh, the, in, in February of this year that, you know, here's a guy who wants it and who's earning it. And to me, I, I, I would be shocked if he's not in the main event picture at WrestleMania next year. I think he's preordained. I think they want it, that's where they want him. And I think they realized we can't get him there as quick as we want, so let's take the road less traveled and let's build him up over the course of the next year i i agree i mean he's to me he's got to be in the main event picture of mania 
You mentioned the women. What was your uh, what was your overall take on how they uh, they debuted on Raw Monday? I liked it. Um, I, I you know to me, uh, I know some people who are going to like really look at the minutia of it are going to be like, well, why was it Stephanie? When uh, why is Stephanie involved? And why is she speaking up for the changes when she's she's part of the problem as WWE management and so forth? But That's... you know what? The reality was. They took the, the the Nikki Bella stuff, and instead of it being you know three on one against Paige, now they've added three women, all of whom are great in ring performers, all of whom are extremely popular at the level that they're on, all of whom can have shown they can deliver on NXT Takeover shows, and how much stronger is that NXT division overnight? So yes, we don't know everything about their characters yet, we don't know everything about their roles, but just them in the mix physically automatically adds to the overall Divas roster. It's kind of like, like and I, I don't want to like sound like I'm putting any pressure on them, like they're going to perform at this level, but remember like Guerrero, Malenko, Benoit, and Saturn came into WWF in 2000, and like overnight, the, the level of work rate and the quality of matches, just like it went from like a 7-8 to like a 9-10, because now you had four more world-class workers who could work, and who could all work with each other and have all these amazing matches, and Maybe that's putting a little bit too much pressure and, and looking at it uh, too hopefully. But on paper, suddenly that Divas division is a lot stronger than it ever was. The one thing I might have done, where if you wanted somebody to introduce them and kind of set off the spark of the revolution, of the changes as they've been saying, is maybe when Nikki Bella was cutting the promo and saying, I control the Divas division, I'm the most powerful diva, nobody can stand up to me. Maybe it should have been a Trish Stratus or a Lita who came out and set the stage for these girls to come in, as opposed to Stephanie, since Stephanie's technically a heel anyway. But I think the ends justified the means, and I think overall most people were happy. Certainly in the building that night, they were ecstatic in, in, in Atlanta. Uh, there's, there's no reason not to be excited about these women being on the roster. Oh, absolutely. If it, yeah, if I had to nitpick, the one thing was Stephanie, but it come the end of the day, I agreed with you that you know they're there. And that was the most important thing, is getting them there. And the other important thing, obviously, is doing something with them to where it actually does have an impact. Does it actually make change? And do they put more of an emphasis on the women? And they, do they do it the right way? And that's, that remains to be seen. I think they have good intentions. I think that's the plan. But we'll see if that actually goes the way that we're all talking about it right now. Well, that, that's, that's one, of the, you know, one of the fascinating things about wrestling is how will the story unfold? How will they develop these characters? How will the new creative team handle Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte the way that the NXT creative team did? Are these girls going to get marginalized and put into three-minute matches and have their talents wasted? Or are they going to effectively force the change in the division where now they are getting longer matches, now they are getting greater competition, now they are being treated as legitimate draws in terms of ratings are are they going to be given multiple segments and we've seen some stuff with the women in the last six to eight months where they've been given a lot more time on the house shows and on tv and on pay-per-view they've been given the chance to go over certain segments you know it's not like the old days where we'd see maurice and maurice and say nikki bella wrestle for three minutes and then they literally do the entrance Kick, punch, kick, punch, off the ropes, finish, one, two, three. Oh, look, Nikki Bella's your winner. Let's go backstage and see what the next vignette is. You know, like, it, it's a diff- they, they have made changes. And this has been, you know, they've been planning changes since March. I said, I reported before WrestleMania that there was talk of Charlotte and Sasha being added to that division and that there was a push behind the scenes to get them up and out of NXT because they knew it was time and they knew they could add something and that there was already, they, they, they recognized that there was a, a change in the guard in how female athletes were being seen and they needed to be on, on the wave, not behind it. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I think, um, you know, if, if history shows, shows how it's going to go, the first couple of weeks will probably dis- be a little disappointing to fans who are expecting like a great 35, 40-minute Charlotte match, which might be uh, a very un- unrealistic expectation out the gate. But I think over time, once the girls start to settle in, they'll, they'll figure out what they, what they need to do and show the proper balance between the way they were presented in NXT and the way they want them to be seen on the main roster. But I could be wrong, and it could all go to hell. We'll see. Yeah, and I hope with Charlotte they don't nature boy her too much. In that she's I agree. I think... I, I agree. Her character in NXT is fine. 
she, you know, she does the woo, she does the chops, she does the figure eight. She doesn't need to do, she doesn't need to start talking like her dad and, and, and doing all of her dad's spots. Like, I, I don't think that's what, what she needs. She doesn't need to be a copycat of who her father was. Talking about how they're going to use people, I like what they've done with Cesaro the last couple of weeks in that I know people will talk about, oh, he's not winning matches or whatever, but he's becoming like the workhorse of, their, of Raw every, you know, the last couple of weeks. And I think that's a great role right that, now. He, he's in that role that Daniel Bryan was in a couple of years ago where he's the guy who's being given all that TV time to show what he can do in the ring, and he's getting over just on the basis of his ring work and on the basis of this is a tough guy. Listen, you don't need to win all your matches to get over. There are guys who lost a ton of matches, and because of the dramatic way that they wrestled and the dramatic way that they lost, it brought out sympathy with the audience and also respect, and the audience, they became a bigger star because of it. A couple of years ago, uh, probably about a decade ago, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit had that amazing match at the Royal Rumble in Boston, and Benoit lost, but remember, nobody remembers that. They remember that great extended standing ovation Benoit got which, you know, made Benoit look like a superhero, uh, superstar. And, you know, I know it's weird to talk about Benoit that way, but, when you, you know, if you, if you look at that moment, that's kind of how he was perceived. So if Cesaro keeps having all these great matches, at some point that audience that he's wrestling in front of is just going to look at him and go, that dude's the man. He fights, he fights like a beast. And they're going to get behind him because he's not, it's not like there's a big difference between losing a three-minute match uh, to Jack Swagger on Superstars and losing after a 30-minute match to John Cena or a 25-minute match to Rusev. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, the fighting, you know, in Japan they always talk about the fighting spirit. You know, that, that sort of technical finesse and that sort of uh, fiery babyface comeback and stuff, that, that's what fans want to see. That's what makes people get behind the competitor. It, you know, it's not, it's not wins and losses. It's what they're doing with the time before they win and lose. And, and I think Cesaro's made more than the most of his time on the mic and in terms of the ring in the last couple of weeks. And, hell, even if you go watch Superstars on the network the last month, he had a series of matches with the most underrated guy in the company, Luke Harper, and they were having great matches every week. Nobody was really ranting and raving about him because it was on Superstars. But if you go and watch them, those were really good. Well, I just so, like I mean, that they... I don't think it's a... Sh- I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I just like that they've actually put an emphasis, too, on having one really good matchup to have one really good match on Raw each week. And I know it can't be wall-to-wall wrestling. It shouldn't be that. Obviously, I mean, there's storylines and there's a lot of different things that they're accomplishing on that show. But to, you know, set aside a good chunk of time and put the guys in there that can have a really good match. And they've done this now for, like, the last three weeks when you talk about Cesaro and stuff. And then, obviously, with the, the U.S. Open Challenge with Cena, they've done that a little bit longer. But they're making a little bit more commitment to saying, let's make sure we have one really good long match on Raw each week, especially since we're three yeah, and, hours. And not only that, think, think about the credibility that, that they've raised uh, when, when, you, when it comes to talking about the United States Championship. Think about where that belt was at times over the last four, five, six, seven years. It's never meant more than I think it really means right now. Think about the, the credibility they raised of John Cena's stock with the series of good to great matches he's had in the last couple of months. You know, everyone kind of looked at John Cena and dismissed him. Oh, he's a muscular guy. Yeah, yeah, five-knuckle shuffle. Yeah, he's not good in the ring. Think about the matches he's been bringing to the table every week on television. This is the he's best year. some great wrestling matches. This is the best in-ring year for John Cena's career. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But it makes you wonder, what did he have that, was, that, that they weren't allowing him to show because they wanted him to be booked and perceived a certain way? Jump back stunner. That's what he didn't have. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing that needs to be ex from his new arsenal is that thing. Yeah. That, um, that, that, that you thing, it doesn't work. It, it gets a pop and no one else is doing it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just worried that somebody's going to get hurt. It's, I mean, it's a tough move to do by anybody, just the timing and everything that's involved in it. It's, it's kind of rough. Yeah. So... We're we're getting Kevin Owens and John Cena for the third time mm-hmm. around on the pay per view. I I get this feeling that they're going to do it a fourth time at SummerSlam because otherwise I don't know who each guy is going to be matched up with because then it's like okay we've had this this rivalry going on for X amount of time and now we're just okay it's over and you're going to get a short build to SummerSlam which is their second biggest show of the year so I get the feeling that we're going to see it a fourth time. Do you feel the same way? 
Yeah, I, I'm thinking they're going to blow it off at SummerSlam. Yeah. I mean, that's my guess. I don't know. But, I mean, it, it certainly seems to me like that's probably where they're going to go with it. Yeah, and I, and I think when it comes to the end, I I think Owens has to leave with the belt. Um, it would Owens winning the belt would be the right call this time. And, and obviously he's earned it. Yeah, he absolutely has, man. And then, you know, if they want to continue with the U.S. Open Challenge with him doing it, um, I'd be all for that. And then we'll see exactly where what they do at Cena next. And I think there's plenty of opportunities there, too. Well, the, uh, Cena chasing the, uh, the WWE title. You know, well, okay, Rollins retains. Cena loses to Owens. Why couldn't uh, Cena then chase down Seth Rollins for a while? as the placeholder until they get Roman or Brock or whoever they want at WrestleMania right. ready. Oh, absolutely, you know, they mean, can do that. There's, there's money there. People, fans will want to pay to see John Cena challenge for the title. What so, show is going to be? I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind going back there. Oh, yeah. So what show amongst us serious wrestling fans is going to generate the most buzz on uh, SummerSlam weekend? There is a lot. New York City SummerSlam weekend. It's crazy. Um, I've written about this a couple of times on PW Insider, and if people want to find links to it, I've been putting the listing up every week. Um, the Thursday of that week in Brooklyn, there's a group called Fiberal Wrestling, and they're going to have a show in like a small little building. Like the Bullet Club is on it, like Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. The Friday night in Jamaica, Queens, New York, where uh, you can actually take a uh, Long Island Railroad from Manhattan, right, literally right to the building if you go to the Jamaica stop. Uh, a group called House of Glory, which the Amazing Red and Brian Excel run, are they're going to be running. And the main event that night is the Amazing Red against Rey Mysterio Jr. for the first time. Mm. And then Saturday, Saturday's crazy. Saturday you have the NXT Brooklyn show, which we already know Kevin Owens and Finn Balor rematch for the NXT title. New Japan talents are coming in to work the Ring of Honor show at MCU Field, which is a, a great little small intimate baseball stadium right on Coney Island. And Shinsuke Nakamura is going to be teaming with Jay Lethal against Red Dragon. Um, Okada is going to be wrestling Roderick Strong in the match. I really want to see. I think the you know first time ever meeting a two of the best in ring workers right now. Um, the Time Splitters, Alex Shelley and Kushida, are going to be wrestling the Briscoes. Um, the Killer Elite are going to be facing um, uh, War Machine. I mean, so you got a really a really stacked Ring of Honor show there. And then uh, a group called Pro Wrestling Syndicate is going to be running right outside of New, New York in uh, Sayreville, New Jersey, and Mick Foley and. Ray Mysterio and a couple of other guys are on that show, and then and of course Jim Ross is doing his one man show in New York that night as well, um, at the Gramercy Theater in Manhattan. Then of course Sunday is SummerSlam, and then at the Barclays Center, and then Monday is Monday Night Raw at the Barclays Center. I can't remember WWE running a major arena three nights in a row ever. Like you know maybe in maybe in Japan they've done it. I know they've maybe. done like two nights in a row at, at some venues, but running a major arena in, in the New York City area three nights in a row, like the same building, I don't think that's ever happened before. What shows are you going to be, what show are you going to go to on that Saturday? I have no idea yet. <laughs> uh, whatever's best, whatever's best for PW Insider is what I'll go to. Oh, um, look I'm, at that. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. My, my, my you know, I, I want to see the takeover show because NXT is such a great show right now. Right. And the idea, I, I went to the WrestleMania uh, show that they, they put on in San Jose. I know you were there too. It was great. Just an awesome, awesome show from top to bottom. And I love the idea of getting to see all of these talents in front of the New York City fans because that energy level will probably be absolutely nuts. The only thing that would be cooler for me personally is if it was NXT in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Um, because the idea of like Samoa Joe and Finn Balor and Kevin Owens, all these guys working in Madison Square Garden, like mind blows me. <laughs> like My head explodes like, like, like scatters. Because of you know I've seen these guys in so many intimate small buildings in the last decade or so. Um, that and the Ring of Honor show, man, is probably going to be a coin toss. Uh, it's going to be one or the other. I'll definitely, I'll probably go to the the Rey Mysterio Amazing Red match because that's a match that they've been talking about doing those two for ten years. And uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good wrestling. New York City is the place to be in August for pro wrestling. I got a feeling that God bless him, but Jim Ross is hating that. Everybody's running those shows on Saturday night now. Yeah, initially it was just Ross running and Ring of Honor, and now it's like, just keep slicing that pie a little thinner, you know? Oh. And I, I know Ring of Honor has a decent advance, so that's good. I don't know what Ross might, Ross's advance is or isn't, 
But, I mean, you know, there's more than enough wrestling fans around in general in New York to, 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 to kind of keep all these things viable. But uh, it really, I think, NXT running, you know, no matter what people might want to see otherwise, I think NXT is going to pull at those heartstrings a lot and make people want to go. Because, let's face it, NXT is the most buzzworthy uh, event right now. It's, the, it, it's the, the brand within a brand that makes people kind of get excited. And it's the, the closest thing we have to, like, destination programming or a hot independent at the moment. Even though WWE owns it, it people kind of look at it as if it's a separate entity. So I, I, I think that's going to be the one that, that causes a lot of ripple effects in terms of where people go and where they don't this week yep. or, or that week. And, Right, and plus the venue that they're running, and they can easily open it up to more seats if they want. If they get, if they yeah, sell it, what they that's have. That's like yeah. a nineteen or a twenty. That's like a like an eighteen or a nineteen thousand seat building, I think. So right, and they can curtain it off, and uh, you know, it, it, they you know it, they can easily add sections even up until that night, and it's really easy to get to. That Barclays Center is above a Long Island Railroad stop. It's right above a um, a number of different subway lines. Uh, it, it's five minutes outside of Manhattan. It's every train line in Brooklyn runs past that stop. You know, they, they, they couldn't have run a more uh, convenient building for NXT. I'm curious to see if they are going to try to load up that show the best way that they can, or if they say we've got this really strong main event that people want to see. We've got the it brand right now. That's going to be enough. Well, what you got to remember is that's going to be a, a live special on the network. So they're going to have to load that up, and they're going to try and make that the best show that they can. Yeah. I'll be and if it, if, they, if it stays true to form, it's only going to be a two-hour show because most of the takeover shows are just two hours. Right. So here's the question, then. How far is that from where Ring of Honor is running their show? Um, by, subway, by, by, by car, probably about 35 minutes. By subway, probably about 40 Oh, that could make it tough then. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. could, could you I mean, could you I, make I the mean, end of Ring I, of Honor? Um, I, I I personally wouldn't try it. Yeah, that that could be tough. If it was, I mean, if it was me, and I mean, I know why WWE's not going to do it because they're the big dog. But I, if I was if it was WWE, I would have just taped it in the afternoon because all these other shows have already had their stuff announced. And yes, you're WWE and you can do what you want, but these other guys are already running. And hey, it's not even about the other companies. But if you have a thousand, let's say Ring of Honor has a thousand tickets sold, and I don't know that that's the number, but that's my, it's about my guess. If there's a thousand tickets sold, if 500 of those fans wanted to go to NXT as well and can't, but if WWE had run at four o'clock in the afternoon and they were done by seven, then you know what? It, it could have been, uh, it could have been a nice little doubleheader for fans. Yeah, that would be nice, but WWE's just going to do what they're going to do. And I mean, and I know a lot of people wrote wrote me, and they were like, "Is Ring of Honor going to move their show?" Ring of Honor can't. They have partners. They're partnering with the Brooklyn Cyclones. All the advertising locally for months has been for an evening show. They have all of their travel planned for an evening show. And do you really think it's fair for those guys to take bumps in a wrestling ring at three, four o'clock in the afternoon in the hot August sun outdoors? I mean, imagine how hot that mat would be. Yeah, that would suck. I, I, yeah, I, I just it's it's not it's not a realistic option for Ring of Honor. Hey, man, I, I was. However, just, I yeah. did notice. Mm-hmm. I did notice for their WrestleMania weekend events, they're running Saturday afternoon. Yes. So, so they obviously went. Let's not run opposite the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I saw that that they've announced that that the TV taping that weekend is going to be in the afternoon, which is a smart move. It's funny you talk about these different venues because I brought this up too. Go uh, NXT running all these different little shows around Florida. And uh, mm-hmm. last Friday, and they've done they've run this building before, but they ran the Orlando Armory, which I've is like, there. oh man, you cram in three hundred people. It's, it's a dump, but it's like one of those dumpy buildings that you oh. love to sit in. Dude, there's no parking. There's three hundred people. Oh yeah, or, I remember we had to walk like three blocks just to find somewhere to park. I made a parking spot in that lot, which was not legal, and they uh like there's no concessions there's no air conditioning and yet it's NXT and it's like here's there's Finn Balor out there in the main events <laughs> it's like wow i was like and they're and running they're probably that probably drawing now because NXT is the cool hot you know NXT has that cool hot brand awareness now oh yeah they're running that that building again uh i think in a month or so too so they i mean they still run all these shows like the Orlando Armory or like in Largo or in uh 
you know, Fort Pierce and all these different places. So, I mean, they're still running all those. And then just every well, now and then. I remember the last, the last conference call we all did with Triple H. He said that, you know, maybe the future of this is going to be that um, the NXT brand is the television stars, and then they'll keep running those smaller Florida venues, and those will be the guys who haven't gotten uh, a TV role yet or aren't on the main NXT brand yet. Yeah. So you'll have the guys who are working out in the Performance Center trying to figure out exactly who they are and what their characters are and develop there. That way they get time in front of the crowd because there's no way, there's no better way to improve than to have that fan interaction and to get that in-ring experience. Yeah, and I'm so spoiled getting to go to all the uh, TakeOver shows, and now they've taken it away from me in August. I, you know what? I, I thought about that when they announced the Brooklyn thing. I said, you know, I remember when ECW announced the second pay-per-view was outside of Philly, and there were fans in Philly angry. How dare they not run another pay-per-view in the ECW arena, yeah. even though the, the, the freaking generator blew and they almost went off the air early. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I, I thought about that. Like, how are those fans in Orlando who always, you know, they get all the NXT tapings, they've gotten all the NXT specials, they've gotten more free TNA than they could probably mentally uh, contain themselves watching, and now it's being taken away. Are they going to be angry about it? I'm, I'm curious to see like how, how the fans react to it, and, and if so, you know, whether they're just spoiled or whether they have a right to feel the way that they do. And that second ECW pay-per-view was in Fort Lauderdale, and I was Fort there. Fort Lauderdale. And I, I was there, too. Yeah. I tried but to... yeah, ju- you know what? If I can get on a plane and go to Fort Lauderdale, all those fans in Florida can certainly come to New York. Yeah, we had a Burger King crown. We were going to try to drop on Lawler, but he came out in the dark and we missed him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, man, I go, we were like looking, I go, wait, I think that's lower in the dark. And there he was, he just went right by us. It was a shame. No one will believe me when I say this, but you were there. Yeah. That was a great show live. Oh, absolutely and it when was. when you watch it on TV, it was so bad. Oh, and well, I'm also mad that as they walked from the uh, ring to the back, I tried to give Jenna Jameson a dollar, and I dropped it. And uh, Jeff Jones picked it up and was excited and ran to the back with it. As I screamed, you stole my dollar. He probably uh, probably was his pay that night. Probably <laughs> that in the building. That was a fun show, especially like the the uh, the Dreamer Lawler match, which brawled all over the building. Yeah, oh, they were all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and even that brawl at the end, where like New Jack and the Eliminators and everyone came out, that huge brawl. Yeah. to kind of close things out live. That was just an intense, violent brawl. And then on TV, they had all these terrible camera angles, and it was dark and. They they tried to do the fan cam thing and it just didn't work and uh, that pay- I mean and that pay per view you know why that show was better live too you and I and everybody else that was there we didn't have to deal with Lance Wright in the helicopter and Sandman driving around in the ambulance trying to find his way back and yeah. all that all that all that terrible stuff which was like you know ECW used to make fun of all the stupid vignettes on TV then here they were on their second pay per view and they were doing stuff just as stupid as WWF or WCW yeah. that night. Lance Wright, there's a name right there. Um, I don't know where he is. I'm guessing somewhere in Connecticut. That's where he was from. Probably. So um, I'm going to ask one last thing about WWE. Do you think there is anything or is there a particular reason why the Undertaker's name has been mentioned on Raw over the last few weeks? Um, you know, I know some people have asked, to, you know, have asked me of late, do I think Undertaker's coming back? I haven't heard it. It's possible. Um, I, I'm very cautious to predict he's returning, but they keep mentioning Kane is the Undertaker's little brother, right? Yep. They just injured Kane. Kane got di- completely disrespected by Seth Rollins, who then kicked him in his quote-unquote broken leg. Yep. If you're Kane, to me the natural evolution of your storyline at this point is I'm coming back as a babyface, I'm coming back to kill Seth Rollins, and most likely, I'm putting the red mask back on. Right. So maybe they're about to bring back Supernatural Kane with all the fire and brimstone and all that stuff. But, I mean, it's possible if Undertaker thinks he can go, I wouldn't be shocked if he did something else. He, I'm, I, I was told by several people, after that match with Bray Wyatt, for the first time in years, he came out of that ring. He didn't feel like he killed himself. He didn't feel like he was doomed and dead. He didn't feel like he, he needed to go away. He didn't end up injured or in the hospital, and he was saying that night, and he was giving the implication that night, he was good to go for WrestleMania 32. So, we'll see. And you know what? With all the talk and rumors, hey, maybe this year is going to be the year Taker retires, 
maybe they're going to start that. Who knows? I don't. I haven't heard anything officially about Undertaker returning. Maybe they would do Rollins against uh, Undertaker at SummerSlam. Maybe you know what? I'll, I'll tell you this. Now that you and I had this discussion, I'll be uh, I'll be digging into that a little bit deeper to see if I can find anything out. Yeah. So I mean, it's who knows? I mean, it, his trainer puts out this picture of him working out and. Taker's looking good and everything, and you're like, yeah, but you know what? His wife always puts stuff on right. her social media. Exactly. That's why so, I was just like, hey. I don't know. I don't know that it, you know. I don't know that it means anything other than they were like, hey, let's take a shot. You're looking good and buff today, right? You know. I mean, he's a wrestler. Exactly. I mean, I know he's got the aura of the Undertaker and all that, but you know what? These guys, you know, why wouldn't the trainer want to show that? Hey, look, I'm training the Undertaker, who's this legendary wrestler and look how great of a job he's doing because it makes the trainer look good it's it, it's it's promotion for the trainer oh absolutely and that's the interesting thing is that when are you reading the tea leaves and it's just it's really nothing or is it you know one of those rare times where you're looking at things and it actually is something it's just you might not well, we realize saw with it. the alberto del rio story this week yeah oh alberto del rio missed a show and and, and as I've, I've said on some pw insider audio as well a wrestler no showed an event this is not news. <laughs> it happens every week. Maybe not with Alberto, but somebody somewhere is missing a show. Either because he's an idiot, or he had a family emergency, or there was a travel issue, or he was false advertised. If we run down every independent show across the world, guaranteed somebody somewhere didn't show up when they were advertised. So to me, you know, everybody got all caught. Uh, oh my God, he hasn't called the promoter. Well, maybe he's sick. Maybe he's maybe lost his phone. Maybe the promoter's lying. And I'm not saying the promoter was. I'm just saying we don't know. And I, and I was really shocked to see how many people just jumped all over the negative. Oh, my God, he's missing. Oh, my, you know, it's like follow that bird. I mean, what, what is this, big bird's missing? And we don't know what the story is. Let's wait and see what the story is. And people were going nuts. And I'm like, let's get the other side of the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think there's kind of an Internet culture today of, Oh my God! This happened. Light the torches and let's kill somebody. And it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. You gotta wait. You have to let the story unfold before you know what it is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think that you know, I I agree with you that it's there is such a culture that is out there now. It's not just being right; it's being first, and that's what that's what people want. They just want whatever information thrown out there first, first, first. Now, now, now. And there's plenty of times where you have to sit back and let something develop to see if it really is a story or if it's much to do about nothing, because then it's not fair to the other side where you start making accusations about stuff that's not fair. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, I, we've seen, and even like with mainstream media now, we'll see uh, this happened and the reports we are getting is that this person uh, shot four people and he might have a bomb. And then it turns out like nobody was shot and there was no bomb. It was his backpack. Right. Like, And I'm just using like very grandiose, crazy scenarios here. But we've seen a lot of scenarios like that where you hear all of these things and all of these details, and then as the story truly filters out and things start to get confirmed, what was a bunch of garbage was thrown out there as if it was fact. And I mean, that's part, part of it is the, you know, the, the, the advent of the cable news networks being 24-7, and they've got to find something to talk about, so they're just going to fixate on things. And I think the Internet has followed suit on that. Last thing. So where do you think this whole... TNA Global Force Wrestling thing is going. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a broad to Nash- question. To, to, to Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I I have theorized, and again, le- uh, theory. T h e r y t h e o r y in 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 large capital letters. My theory that I have thrown out there is that perhaps TNA went. We don't have a buzz. We need a buzz. We need something different. All right, Jeff's doing something. What if we help Jeff? What if we help try and help Jeff get off the ground? What if we allow Jeff to use our talent since we're not really running after our July tapings for a while? And in return, Jeff gets our talent, Jeff gets a buzz, and Jeff hands over his, minor- his minority ownership in the company. Yeah. Because you, you know, that's, that's, I don't care who you are. Dixie Carter, whoever, if Jeff Jarrett in this scenario is running an opposing company while he owns a minority share in your company, you want him gone and separated immediately. It's just business. You don't want someone to be able to run a competing organization 
uh, when he owns a piece of yours. Um, it sends a bad it sends a bad image. It doesn't work. It makes you look silly. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if in the end this is all part of a deal to, for Jeff to hand over his stock, but I don't know that for sure. Um, and honestly, what the hell else do they have going on? Right. They had nothing. TNA had no with all their, and I know someone from TNA is going to hear this and get mad at me. They had no buzz. They had nobody watching the shows. There was concern they're going to be done, which they still could be done in September. I don't know. I only know what what, what Dave Meltzer reported, and I, and I can't I can't I can't quantify or I can't confirm or deny that because nobody in Destination America is going to going to comment, and no one in TNA is going to tell you the truth on that one. They're not going to say, "Oh yeah, we're canceled. Our show's going off the air." No one in their right mind within TNA is going to say that. Um, although to, for the for the record, they claim that no one has told them that they are canceled, which mm. could be the case as well. Um, or things could have changed. Could be the case. I don't know. But, uh, you know, they had nothing. There's talk of them going out of business. They need a lifeline. And I don't know that Jeff Jarrett is it, but certainly Jeff Jarrett showing up on their TV show made people go, huh? What's go- hell's going on here? Right. In a way that nothing else other than, like, uh, someone the level of John Cena or The Rock walking out would have done. And that's just not ever going to happen either. You know what I mean? Right. So, come so, October, I mean, what do you think, what wrestling shows do you think are going to be on Destination America? You know what? I don't know that any of them are. <laughs> well, October, I think Ring I think of Honor will be. I think the Ring of Honor, I think actually Ring of Honor will be, because I think the Ring of Honor deal runs until like mid or late November. Yeah, they had a six-month deal. Yeah, so they'll be on. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. If I'm TNA, I am looking at even quietly going, all right, who are the others that were interested in us before we signed with Discovery? I, I know that WGN was a front-runner. Uh, six months ago, but they didn't want to put TNA on the air until, like, April. They wanted to wait till the spring, and TNA just didn't want to be dark all that time, and I don't blame them. Um, but maybe maybe WGN America is going to end up being their home. I don't know. Maybe they're going to end up on Destination America. Maybe the person who said we want to get rid of them is going to be on the outs, and someone else is going to be in charge of the network, and he's going to be like, I love wrestling. Let's keep this. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very much a story in flux. Yeah, you know, and I think they've made some interesting moves when it comes to management. That um, who was it that recently got let go? Oh, didn't um, didn't Andy Bar- Andy yeah, Barton left? Andy Barton left the company. Which to me, like Andy Barton leaving, that he was working for Dixie Carter before there was a TNA. Right. So I mean, him leaving is that's one of those like, oh, that's interesting. Like to me, the real sign of ooh, things are not going well there. You know, was. The uh, James Storm asking for his release. Yes, because if James Storm le- is, is, is asking to leave, then what the hell else is going on over there? You know, Magnus leaving. I understand because from what I from what I was told, he had like one of the last real top heavy contracts, and given their current economic state, they probably couldn't have handled carrying that contract again after it was renewed. So I can understand him leaving or him or them not signing him to a new deal. But James Storm. Like, that's like, I, 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 you know, it's like, it's like WCW not bringing, not keeping beautiful Bobby, you know? Yeah, he's like been there since the beginning. Stalwart who's been there from day one and has always, always, always delivered for TNA. So the idea he wanted out, to me, that makes me a little worried and a little apprehensive. But, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, deal's, what the, deal, what the deal is. I, I, I bet they'll probably keep running on with the lowest budget possible and they'll, They'll just keep biding their time, hoping something better comes along that'll raise them up to a to a to a better height. They are they are now a television show about wrestling and nothing else. They are not a, a, a touring wrestling brand. And they've got that a marathon. They've got a marathon taping coming up here. Yeah, they're gonna be doing. It's a nine days, but. One of those days, I believe they have off. And how many days are you going? Come on, let's see it. Well, let's see how, how many days I'm allowed to be in the building. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. You are you, you're a bad boy. You're persona non grata. Well, I got in the slam anniversary, but it, it took some effort. Who was that before the second uh, the second article? No, that was after the second article. Um, okay. No, I I stopped getting email responses about whether or not I. We'll have a pass waiting for me after the second article. I'm sure. Well, if anybody from TNA is listening to that now, and and by the way, I did send a request to go to the uh, next "quote unquote" live show coming up here, and I have not gotten a response to that yet. Well, 
I guess we shall find out. We'll find out when we do, right? <laughs> I'm not sweating it either way. If I get to go, cool. If not, then so be it. You know, it's, that's the way it is. So, uh, right. Everybody can check out uh, PWInsider.com for all of Mike's work and all the other great work there. And make sure you sign up as well. Become a member of the Elite section. Just go to PWInsiderElite.com. Get all the exclusive news and audio and everything that's over there on the website. So, uh, Mike, always appreciate it, man. We'll do it again soon. No, my pleasure. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening. Be sure to check us out. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MikePWInsider. And uh, just uh, appreciate all the support. And uh, always appreciate all the feedback I get whenever I'm on the show. So, Fritz, always, uh, always fun, and uh, I really, uh, really enjoy being on. So thanks a lot. The talking is over. Thanks for downloading Between the Ropes. Hey, you guys are awesome. Thank you. For more, go to BetweenTheRopes.com and subscribe to Between the Ropes on iTunes. Thank you. Have a nice day.